Hi guys, thanks for tuning in this episode of the Nick Egan Times. On this episode, we have an awesome guest. We have Obi Anya Dekwe. Obi is an entrepreneur and product specialist and extensive experience building digital and entertainment companies. Obi has raised over $900,000 on a revolutionary startup, um, which was acquired by AOL. Obi is an outstanding leader with the record of spearheading, spearheading the development of high-end profitable products. Startup founder with experience raising capital and building qualified teams, a marketing spe- specialist for large commercial multimedia campaigns for Fortune 500 companies. Examples including entities like Spike, Nickelodeon, and BET, um, has led and contributed to every aspect of product development, which resulted in increased revenue and traction of mobile and desktop applications. Obi, welcome and thanks for coming on my podcast. Thank you. How's it all going over there? Good. Um, we're busy with uh, my new startup, Unami, which is a software for animators and video game developers. So we're currently doing equity crowdfund on micro ventures. So that wraps up this month. Um, so that all together, I think we've raised about a little over 110,000 so far on the platform. And so, so hopefully, you know, we'll hit the max and then we have another meeting with Backstage uh, capital, which is our lead investor, um, and they're teaming up with a group of other investors and potentially coming in with some additional capital as well. Well, wow, that's amazing. Um, how has life happened since COVID's begun over there? How's how's that affected you personally and professionally? Um, it actually helped our company. Um, it, it created like a bigger demand for animated content in general, and especially video game development. Um, we were always remote, so it was not like we had to shut down an office. Uh, we do have an office that I use through, um, basically it's a Stubbs and Alderton. They were a co-investor in my company, law firm. And they have like, you know, you could almost say their own personal WeWork for companies that they invested in. So, I, you know, as a company startup, we don't have to pay for it, which is great. But, um, but yeah, like during COVID, I think there was only maybe like four months where I couldn't use the space just work from home. My team generally work from, works from home anyway, so didn't affect us on that front. If anything, you know, it actually helped us. You know, it, it allowed me to really focus and save money. There was no FOMO, there's no parties, there's no events. You know, so as a startup founder, you need to be buckled down and focused anyways. And, you know, this really helped it. And I can't complain, look, I live over here in Southern California, uh, Venice Beach. You know, so I get to surf and chill and hang out uh, during a pandemic, so. Spectacular. Um, all right, let's just jump straight into it. Talk me and tell me about your life and growing up and your family. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, growing up, I'm originally from Nigeria. Uh, came to the States when I was about three. We lived in Texas and then uh, most of my, South, my, my youth was in the South. Um, you know, my parent, my father was a bit entrepreneurial, um, didn't uh, perform the best at it, but like, you know, he definitely tried. Um, my mom, just like classic Nigerian family nurse, you know, and then of course she wanted me to be an engineer or a doctor or something like that. Um, I went down the path of being more, uh, going more into art and working, uh, I guess, majoring in graphic design over at Georgia State University. Then I got into animation. So I eventually started working at a Turner, Cartoon Network, and quite a few studios down there in Atlanta, and then moved to New York. And then New York was um, most of my adult life um, and worked at, like I said, like you kind of listed it, uh, Spike TV, Nickelodeon, 
Cartoon Network, I mean, well, uh, well, in New York, I was uh, Dentsu, quite a few other ad agencies, and went from there. So I led teams as a creative director, and but I was also hands-on as an animator, motion designer, designer uh, at all these co- um, major companies. Extraordinary. Um, and, yeah, talk to me about going, I guess, from high school, college, um, all those side of things, and the mm-hmm. professional career. How did you actually choose to go down that road? So luckily enough, I had, you know, you know, I always had a skill for or passion for drawing and painting. So I think I had great art teachers that really were like, okay, great. You're good at what you do. I'm going to start mentoring you. And I was lucky enough all throughout elementary to junior high to high school. I always had that art teacher that mentored me. And I think the mentorship got pretty significant in high school. Um, That's where, um, that teacher ended up saying, yeah, look, you need to take all four years of art. I'm going to mentor you through this. And that's when she brought in um, like uh, ex- representatives from various art colleges. I didn't even know the concept of art college. I didn't even know that it even existed. Um, and then this is when I think, hell, Toy Story, the movie hadn't even been produced at this point. So the concept of even 3D animation, it was a very new thing. Uh, hell, I didn't even have the concept of even working at a anime at a video game company like uh, Epic Games or like how yeah, Epic Games probably didn't even exist back then. So yeah, that's when I really um, honed in, focused on my skills, optimized it, um, started learning programs like Photoshop and Illustrator, and then went on from there. Marvelous. Um, what inspires you daily? Uh, I mean, I'd say just a day, of course, the day to day operations of my company. I mean, my whole company is one big inspiration for me. The fact that, you know, I'm not clocking in, clocking out like I did before um, at a corporation. Um, this is truly my baby. This is my thing. You know, I can't, there are no complaints. It's all on me as CEO to execute and get things done and get things done right and manage teams. So I think I wake up every day with that inspiration of, you know, how am I going to tweak and optimize? everything I'm doing to um, get the best results. And then I have the ultimate passion, of course, for surfing. So I love that. Um, that keeps me grounded and focused. Um, you know, it's definitely, you know, of course you get that exercise, but that con- true connection with the ocean and, you know, the sport in general, you know, keeps me going for sure. Um, astounding. Have you, where do you go surfing anyway? Like, where, What are some of the places you've been? So, man, so locally, of course, I'm serving here in Venice, uh, Malibu, occasionally uh, Manhattan Beach, El Porto, that area. Uh, but I've surfed everywhere. I surfed um, in New York, believe it or not, um, Rockaway Beach, Long Beach, Long Island, Montauk, Hamptons. I've surfed in Nicaragua, uh, Mexico, Costa Rica, Hawaii. So, nice. <laughs> you got to come down to Australia and surf. Exactly. Definitely one of these days for sure. Cool. Um, what is it, um, I guess, the digital and entertainment kind of industries, what is it actually like working in those industries? So it's, it's, it's interesting now because it's rapidly changing. So gone are the days when we worked at uh, Viacom, when I worked at Viacom and, you know, it was a classic TV, you know, commercial. That's how they made their revenue. Um, now with Netflix and Disney and all these other streaming platforms coming in, it completely disrupted the market. And crazy enough, I actually predicted it back then. Um, I remember even before Netflix telling my boss, hey, what, how, what if we just made content for our online uh, channel or on, our online presence? And he was like, no, 
there's no money to be made in that. And I was like, all right, fine, you know. Then Netflix comes out, and I remember when Netflix was back when it was the CDs. Then that once they started doing the streaming, I flipped over to that. I dumped all the CDs. I was like, let me focus on this. And I remember getting it and being like, this is amazing. This is where the future is at. This is extremely convenient. This is what all I want to do. And this is back when they hardly had decent content on there. Um, but I was just dedicated to it. Um, so to see the industry flip to that and rapidly change, like even now, I think I've recently read an article, uh, Netflix is potentially getting into gaming, you know. Um, wow. Yeah, okay. Disney went from what it was to now streaming. And of course, Disney doesn't have to worry about getting into gaming because they already are. So and I think that it's it was very disruptive, but I pivoted before the disruption hit, you know. Excellent. Um, what do you think, in your opinion, makes a good entrepreneur? Oh, man. Uh, doing intense research before you get into anything and just understand you don't know it all. So you really need to learn. Um, at the end of the day, I think you, we all have this, oh, I have an idea and this passion and you want to go forward and move with it. And you have this assumption you'll make money. But you, the truth is you've got to do the research and find out if this is truly going to be a viable um, product going down the line, or if you're going to waste a lot of time and money. Insightful. Thanks for that. Um, how easy is it to start a business and do what you're? Oh, it's pretty easy. I mean, to set up a business in general, you definitely need capital. Um, but it's pretty easy, especially here in the states, to easily get a LLC or a Delaware C Corp. You know, you could just pay a lawyer to do all this stuff for you. Um, I know there's free services online that can walk you through it as well. Um, but yeah, setting it up is the easy part. The hard part is ultimately, have you done your research to make sure that what you're about to do is going to be a viable business? And getting in the grind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess what's the best advice you could share with the listeners or anybody that's actually thinking about opening a business that you've learned that you could share? God, quite, quite a bit. Um, like if you were to start a business right now, the first thing, you know, you need to understand is first, where you're, what's the, what's, why are you starting this business? What's the mission? Are you just trying to start a mom and pop biz just to pay some bills and get by? Are you trying to scale up a multi-million dollar company, uh, then sell it someday? Are you trying to scale something up to IPO and go that big? Um, you really got to uh, like do the market research to understand um, what you're about to get into and what's what's the end goal? You should always think end goal. You know, don't assume you're not going to live forever. Hell, you're going to retire before you even, you know, um, before you pass away. So you're ultimately have to give this company up to, to somebody else to run. So you need to think what is the true end goal of this company uh, as you as you start start your mission. Then when you do start your mission, if it is uh, like a, what they deem a venture backed business, then you need to understand, are you truly a venture-backed business? Which means this is a company that's reaching hundreds of millions of dollars. This, that, that, like, that is the mission for this business. This isn't a business where you're going to make $40 million, surprisingly. You know, investors want to get in to make 10x on their money. So if they're putting 100000 in, they want insane amounts of return for, um, for this business. Then on top of that, um, is the mission to sell it? or to IPO, you know? So those are the two things you really need to have in mind 
before you, you know, move forward in that direction for, as a uh, venture backed business. Then from there, of course, like I said, you like I said before, you want to do that intense research. What's the market? Is it truly a billion dollar market? That's the other thing. If it's a venture backed business, they want it to be make sure it's a, a billion dollar business. Um, so you got to make sure. Have you done research on the market? And is this uh, based on this market? Is it truly a, a billion dollar, a multi billion dollar business? Then you want something. If you're whether you're starting, whether it's small or if it's big, you want something where you, if you start this on your own um, with your own money, you want it so that it gains an insane amount of traction from jump. If your money alone can't do that, you may not want to do it. Or maybe you come from money or you have rich uncles or aunts or whatever, then great. You, they could kind of back you until it gets to that point. Then you could bring venture money in. But if it's your own money and you know that, look, after kind of launching this, we might get some sales. You may not want to do it. You know, you want to guarantee that you could scale aggressively uh, before you really um, move forward with that venture. That's, uh, that's amazing. Thank you for the, um, that insights. Um, and I guess, how safe is it to go into the markets now? Like, do you think um, with COVID and obviously jobs being lost, do you think it's actually a safe time to go down that road? I think now is an amazing time to start a business. It's, it's, it's moments like this that disrupt the world and create massive amounts of opportunity. Like when COVID hit, I knew Bitcoin was going to blow up. I knew all the crypto was going to go insane because this is what crypto uses to justify its existence. The economy crashes. The dollar goes down in value. Um, you know, it's hard. It's, 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 it's harder to transfer and move money with these banks. All these things became bigger issues when COVID hit. So, of course, crypto is like, see, we told you so. Boom, skyrockets. Um, so, so moments like this have you know created great opportunity for the Amazons, the the Zooms, all these other uh, digital software agencies. Uh, and then on top of all that, this is your moment of like, okay, everything's shut down. You're under quarantine. Yeah, you're hopefully you're getting a, a decent check from the government. This year, a moment to say, you know what? Maybe I, this is the time where I quit this job that I don't like, that I've been com complaining about every day, day in, day out. Maybe, you know, this is the time where I pack up my bags and I'm like, I'm out. Like plenty of people did that. Packer bags are out. Some left went to another part of the state. Some others went to a different states altogether. Many left the country, you know. So this is a great opportunity to say, you know what, now is the time for change in my life. And starting a business is a great opportunity for, for that. Wonderful. And so do you, obviously I can see you're very pro crypto. Um, what's your mm -hmm. thoughts on crypto just generally speaking and would you recommend people investing in it? Mm -hmm. I think I've always thought crypto was, was a future. Um, it's Believe it or not, people paying with digital currency has been around for quite a long time actually. Um, even like perfect example is um, you can say Africa has been doing it even before crypto even came out. So what people, a lot of people don't know is in, in many African nations, especially Nigeria, Ghana, and quite a few others, um, when cell phones came out, a lot of them leapfrogged the landline and went straight to cell phones. So in these countries, they weren't paying bills. They, it was more of a pay-as-you-go system. So you'd buy credits to use that when it comes to data and speaking on that phone. 
What ended up happening accidentally is people were saying, look, I don't have any cash on me, but I'll trade my phone credits for like a movie ticket or I'll trade my phone t- credits for a meal. So that became its own digital currency right there. Then the phone, um, the telemarketers and in, in all over Africa caught on and officially made it a currency back then. You know, I think it's Zimbabwe. I think Zimbabwe, their, um, um, I think national currency is crypto, their own crypto. And so if you go there right now, you can't pay with cash. You have to convert to their digital currency. So what I like about it is at least, especially if, so if you're getting into crypto, you could invest, I would say, think bigger and think about the actual usage of it. Like what I love now is the whole NFT market where people are actually buying it, trading it. And that, that's what I like uh, the most about it. And so if you do get into it, I would think of it more on how can I set up a business where um, people pay me in, in Bitcoin, crypto or NFT? How can I set up, set up something where that's how I receive and, and manage transactions? I think that's a bigger, a bigger play that a lot of people aren't on as much right now. Yeah, wonderful insights. Thanks. Um, and I guess, how easy is it going back to obviously starting a business to get investors involved? And where do you find and approach investors to actually come on board to invest? Yeah, good question. I mean, it's terribly difficult. I'm not going to lie. Um, it, it goes back to like the few steps I explained before. You want to get it where once you launch, um, you know, one, you're going to have to spend your own capital. If you don't come from money, you are spending your own money. Like with my first startup, I was working overtime. I was doing freelance gigs on the side, you know, and all that money got poured into my first product. Like my first product, uh, I mean, I dropped seventy-five thousand for the to build that prototype, you know. So I think a lot of my other counterparts are start founders. I know one girl; she dropped two hundred and fifty on hers. And I got another guy; he dropped half a mil of his own money, you know, to start theirs. And so, with that said, if you're going to spend that type of money, you want a guarantee on your money, you know? So right. you wanna so when you launch, you're gonna be making significant capital off the bat, off the bat. So then if you're scaling, you're working phenomenal, now you're just looking for investment capital just to scale to a multi-billion dollar company, from a multi-million or a hundred, like 100,000, 200,000 to a multi-million, then billion. So one way to do that is of course, you know, backing yourself. Another way is um, now through what's called, um, um, equity crowd funds. So I'm currently on microventures. So there's microventures, um, start engine and, um, uh, quite a few others where now if you built a product, you have a little bit of traction and you have a lead investor, you could go on their platform and now get investment capital from pretty much anybody. Because there used to be a law in the U S where if you weren't a qualified investor, you weren't able to invest in startups. So they lifted that and allowed, non-accredited investors to now go through a portal called the equity crowd funds. So that's a great way to get investment capital, especially if you have, if you have a product, uh, a little bit of traction and a lead investor. It's amazing. Technology too, how everything can be just so centralized now and just so accessible and easy. It's, it's amazing times we're literally in. Um, exactly. Yeah, your story is um, inspirational too from where you've come from to where you are now. Um, mm-hmm. 
from the commercial side of things, being a marketing specialist, how did you enjoy that? From the, you said from uh, when I worked with a lot of the agencies? Yeah, like going to and working campaigns for Fortune 500 companies. How did you enjoy that and working and doing the campaigns for those large corporates? So, I mean, it was, it was fun. I mean, when I first got into the industry, it's great. I learned a lot. I mean, this is when a lot of things are changing. Um, this is when Facebook is coming out. Uh, even before that, um, uh, MySpace and a few others. And this is when a tech boom, like when I first got into the industry, um, it was the first dot-com crash, actually. And then after that, I said, okay, screw this. The crash happened. Let me focus on animation. That's my passion. Um, then once I saw tech really coming back, that's when I was like, okay, I should really pivot back into this. It's going to blow up. And sure enough, it did. And so that's when I pivoted back to tech. And I started working at a company called Guilt Group. And um, I pretty much came in as creative director and revamped their whole look and feel and brand. And that's when I really learned um, deeper about investment capital and gaining investment and startup and the startup world and just equity and stock options and things like that. And that's when I was like, okay, wow, this is where you know things are really going. And I got deeper into that. And then after a while, you're just like, you know, I'm done working for other people. I'm done helping other people build their empire. It's time for me to build mine. And you kind of, you know, you get worried, you get scared because it's a big leap. And then after you kind of make that big leap in investing in what you're doing, it just becomes a roller coaster ride down that path and then done. Smashing. All right. Um, tell me, let's get away from the business side of things. Um, what are your, I know you said surfing, surfing, sorry, you mentioned before. What are your other hobbies and interests outside of the business world? Um, I mean, lately I've been doing a lot of volleyball with uh, friends, so I'm really active. I love, love activities and travel for sure. Like, as you know, I've been to like Spain and quite a few other places and all uh, and in Italy and uh, and then love Central and South America. Um, but yeah, like uh, we've recently been putting together these mini volleyball clubs and um, kind of playing uh, various other um, professionals. But yeah, love staying active. You know, I think a couple of my friends, you know, started um, hiking as well. Um, but yeah, I think that, and then of course the museums art. I love art, I uh, love animation. So I still kind of do a little bit of art and animation on the side. Um, but yeah, like really staying in that creative space is most important to me. Astounding. All right, um, what's the plan for, what's the future look like for Ivy? So ultimately, you know, for my software company, uh, Unami, uh, our ultimate game plan is to scale progressively and of course exit. You know, it's prime for a perfect exit. We have intense uh, level technology within the, within the company. So we have a motion capture software that tracks human movement without tracking points or green screen stage, you know, game change. You know, we have another avatar creator tool that's gonna be done this summer. And then, of course, our 2D and 3D lip syncing tool that automates lip syncing. So all those things combined, I think, are a great you know, asset to any major, whether it be gaming company or, or production software company currently right now. Unbelievable. And if you were 18 again, you could go back in time. What would you do differently or could do things differently? What would you change? Uh, I'd still start my startup. I would do a better job building the teams. 
you know, I think that's what I've learned the most from the from the past startup to the current one is just proper team building. You know, it's easy. It's very easy to bring in the wrong people. A lot of times your gut is telling you you shouldn't bring in that person, but you end up doing it out of convenience because it is so hard to find great people that are competent and that will actually come in and do the work. So you end up kind of saying yes to somebody who you're like, mm, culture wise, this probably isn't going to work, you know, but you do it, you get setbacks, you learn and you keep it moving. Right. Just generally speaking, your opinion, where do you see the going into the future overall? It's going to get really interesting. I think what's going to happen, I, I, I really think, is the tech world is really going to be aggressively dominant. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of driverless cars, driverless trucks, um, a lot of robotics and a lot of automation and a lot of AI. I do think that one warning I think people need to heed is you. we really got to pivot. Everybody, the government, people need to pivot into that world that is coming. Um, there are certain jobs that are going to go away. And if in, it, most people know their jobs are going away. It's just, they're just like, I don't know what to do next. And you seem frozen. And I would say you got to get out of that frozen mentality. It was easy to see that those Ford factories were going to be gone. You know, it was easy to see that. It was easy for me to see the television industry was going to change. Everybody saw it, just a lot of people were in denial. Right. You know, so, so I would say it's very, it's definitely going in a very technological, advanced uh, world um, where a lot of things are just going to be automated. It's happening. And we've got to adapt to it. Yeah, I agree. Very much so. Abby, thanks for coming on my podcast. Um, your story, it's been inspirational, everything you're doing. Um, can't wait to see all your future successes and your trajectory you're on is just purely amazing. Yeah, thanks. thanks. No problem. All right, have a great day. All right, you too.